you're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and today we're looking at what America needs today. What America needs today. Today on Words of Encouragement. So this morning, we're looking at Christian character again. We looked at it last week, and we're going to look at it this Sunday again. Uh, and that is just a two-parter. Uh, but what America needs, what America needs. Uh, America does not need Christians who sit on the sidelines judging other people or attempting to pass legislation that makes people be good. Uh, we can't, I mean, we're not to be, we're not to be trying to, we can't make people be good. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to make somebody be good? Well, now you may say, well, now, preacher, look, I had a child. I, you know, I, I showed him how to be good. I, I made him be good. Well, I don't know. You may, you may have made him behave in the moment. You may have said something and he, you know, he snapped to attention at the moment. But really, did he learn the lesson? Is he good more than he is bad? I mean, you, you have to look at some things. But we can't make people be good. It's got to come from their heart. And so Christians, are we're not to sit on the side and think that we can pass legislation to make people be good. We've got to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus. America needs Christians with Christ-like character who care more about the eternal destination of people's souls than how they dress, look, or live. America needs Christians who live and act like Jesus. If you are able and you're willing, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from Jude, Jude, verses 22 and 23. The Bible tells us, And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear. Hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. May God bless the reading of His Word and may He enlighten it to us through the power of His Holy Spirit. I invite you to be seated this morning. A Christian, Christian with character. A Christian with character has compassion on the doubting. Now, Last week we looked at uh, verses twenty or verses twenty and twenty one, uh, and that really dealt with us ourselves and how we conduct ourselves out in the world, how we uh, conduct our lives day to day. And the next, this, these two verses that we're looking at today deal with other believers, how we treat other believers as Christians, and this is important. Uh, in this passage of Scripture, Jude is trying to talk to Christians. He's trying to get the point across. There are false teachers out there, and those false teachers are grabbing hold of some of our brothers and our sisters, and they're pulling them down the wrong path. There are false teachers out there giving all kinds of lessons to, to, to everybody, but those lessons are false. Those lessons aren't godly. And God-inspired lessons. And they're being thrown out there. And some Christians are listening, thinking, well, now that sounds good. I like this. I like this message of, uh, that, 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 you know, that I am, that, that 
well, I deserve things. I mean, there's a, there's a whole, there are churches out there even preaching that you deserve a blessing. Uh, you know, we don't deserve anything. If we got what we deserved, we, wouldn't, we would go to hell. I mean, that's what we deserve. But God loves us enough that he made it possible for us to go to heaven. And along the way, God does bless us. But we in no way walk around and can strut around and say, well, I deserve to be blessed today. Well, really? You deserve? Are you that good? Is that what you're saying? We've got to be careful. But there's a lot of false teaching out there, a lot of it out there. And even today, and Jude's writing to those that were in his day. And he's writing to these Christians saying, look, you have got to be careful. And so a Christian with character has compassion on those who are doubting. Now look at the first part of verse, verse 22. And have mercy on some, or actually the, the whole verse there. Have mercy on some who are doubting. This is referring to those who have been faced with false teachings and they don't know what to do with them. It sounds good. Oh, well that sounds good. I, you know, I like that way they say that. I, that, I think that's good. Now, they never stop and think, when I look, should I search the Word of God? Should I see what God's Word has to say about this? Should I check it out? No, it sounds so good, it's got to be good. And these Christians, and I'm not trying to fault anybody, but when the voices are loud, you tend to hear them, don't you? And so if the false teachers are loud enough, and if they're repeated, and if, you're, if, you've, if you put yourself under the teaching of some false teachers long enough, you're going to start taking it in and believing it. And you're never going to say, well, now wait a minute, I don't know if that squares with the Word of God. This, I've got to know if this squares with God's Word, because if it doesn't, I, I've got to reject that teaching. And you and I, we need to be careful. But there are some that aren't as careful. They're not careful. And so a false teaching comes, and it sounds pretty good, and they're like, well, okay. And Jude says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Be careful with those who have been thrown into doubt. In fact, he says, have mercy on them. Mercy, leniency, compassion toward those who are wavering. And that's really what the word means, the, the, the doubting. It says, but you... Uh, and have mercy on some who are doubting, wavering is actually the word. It, you know, they're like, well, I'm not sure if it's true, but it sounds good. I like it. I just, I, I, I'm confused. And there, and there, there comes a time, and, and we all face some false teaching sometimes, and we think, well, and they, when I thought, well, now wait a minute, I was always taught this. Is this true? I don't know. And, 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 they, and we get a little confused. Well, what Jude is saying is, have mercy on them. One of the most belittling statements I have heard said of Christians is that we shoot our wounded. Somebody goes down a wrong road. Somebody takes in a false teaching. They're kind of going along another path. And you're thinking, oh, man, man, he just went crazy. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's believing something that's not in the Bible. I don't know what... And we are really good at talking about those who, who may be in a situation of doubt, of doubting. We, we do real well about saying, well, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I know they know better. I just, you know, wow. And we, 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 we do real well at shooting our wounded at those, those who may be doubting. 
we talk about them, we may even condemn them, instead of living out the spirit of what it says in Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. We're to have mercy on those who are doubting, those who may be confused. We're to have mercy on them. We're to have compassion and say, hey, we're to, we're to have a, what I want to say, a come alongsideness with us. We, we, we need to come alongside of them and say, hey, what's happening? What, what did you, where did you hear this? Where did you get this idea? Is, uh, does it square with the Bible? Can I help you? Can we look in the Bible and find where this might be true or untrue? Can we do that? We, we, need to, we as Christians need to help each other and come alongside each other, those who are doubting. Now listen, doubting is not a sin, but a Christian is, becomes a Christian's usefulness in the kingdom of God. It gets hampered. And it's useless if he continues to doubt. So we have got to come alongside of those who are doubting and help them. We can't just let them just, you know, hey, well, they're doubting. You know, I mean, I remember a dear friend of mine in seminary went through a very difficult time in his life. Had some doubts as to, whoa, is God real? Is Jesus real? Is Jesus really God's son? I mean, he just, all of a sudden, boom, he had to decide whether he really believed what he said he believed. And sometimes that happens when we grab hold of our, and I'll put it this way just because others put it this way, but when we grab hold of our grandparents' faith, maybe we grab hold of our parents' faith, and we say, well, they're, you know, I'll, oh, whatever they taught, well, I, I believe that too. Do you? Or is it simply because you were taught? You know, there's a time and a place that you and I each have to decide, I believe this word of God. I believe Jesus is real. I believe that God sent him onto this earth and that he lived a sinless life and that he died on that cross for me and that he didn't stay in that grave. He rose on the third day and he's alive and sits at the right hand of the Father. We have got to decide, do we believe that? We can't just inherit the faith of our parents or grandparents. But there's a tendency for us to sometimes allow people who are doubting just to kind of go ahead. Well, I don't know what happened to them. They're doubting now. I just don't know. We can just pray for them. Yeah, pray for them. But come alongside of them. Help them. A Christian with character comes alongside those who are doubting. Our duty to a brother or sister who is doubting is to come alongside of them and walk with them. Not abandon them. America in this world needs to see Christians who help those who are struggling with their faith. America needs to see that we care for our own. And that we care when one is, just, one is kind of floating there and deciding, well, I don't know if I really believe all this. America needs to see Christians saying, hey, hey, I'm here for you. Hey, I'm here for you. Those words means so much to someone who is doubting. Those words mean so much to someone who is grieving. Those words mean, when they're followed up with action, so much 
to so many. And you and I as Christians, we must have compassion on those who are doubting, those who are having some difficulty. The second thing, a Christian with character seeks to pull the lost ones out of the fire. What in the world? Look at the first part of verse 23. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Oh my goodness. There are some who have doubts and some who have allowed false teachings to get into their heads. Uh, and, and, and boy, it's, it's a scary thing. And it has, the doubts have affected their behavior. In other words, their sins or whatever it is that the, the false teaching or the sin, whatever it is, is dragging them down to a point where they're not being able to be used by God Himself because they're too focused on the t- false teaching. They're too focused on the sin. And are these, we're talking about believers here. Believers, our brothers and sisters who have just gotten off the path and they're like, ah, they're struggling so much it's affecting how they live. It's affecting their usefulness in the, in the kingdom of God. And the imagery of fire is used by Jude here to express the seriousness and the immediate need that they have at this point. Look, they're in a bad spot. We can't wait. We've got to help our brother or our sister. We've got to do it now. I mean, it's immediate. We cannot, we cannot allow another day to go by without going to them and talking with them and helping them. And snatching them, as Jude says, out of the fire. I mean, they're in a bad spot, and they need help. And their brothers and their sisters are the ones who come along and help. The brothers, their brothers and their sisters aren't the ones who are standing back talking about them. Oh, yeah, I heard so and so. Boy, I got, I got, oh, I got in a bad way. It was, oh, man, oh, it's horrible. Can't believe it. Wow. No, that's not their brothers and sisters. Their brothers and sisters are the ones who come up, come up to them and say, hey, Hey, you need to come with me. Let's go over here. I need to talk to you. Can we pray? Can I pray for you? What's happening? What's going on? I love you. That's why I'm standing in front of you talking to you. These things need to, be, need to happen to those who, those who are in a, a, just this horrible spot. Those we saved, says Jude, are as if snatched from the fire. Have you ever been, have you ever used a grill, uh, a grill outside and you had your meat and uh, you had your patty all done and you had, you know, and somehow maybe your grill was old, I don't know, maybe the little slots were a little too wide, maybe something happened, but we've all had it happen, I think, maybe, I never want to assume, but we, uh, most of us have had it happen if we've grilled enough where one of the patties fell through. Oh no, what happens? I don't know about you, but my goodness, I paid for that meat. I'm going to get that meat out of that fire. I'm not going to let it just burn. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, it got in there. I can't, you know. Oh no, I'm getting the tongs. I'm going to pull that out of the fire. I'm going to make sure I save it. I don't want to lose it. And I act quickly. I act quickly. I don't sit there and go, well, let's see. What kind of, okay, now, do I have tongs? I had some tongs. Where? Um, I mean, it's burning. It's burning up. And I'm like, well, okay. Uh, 
No, there's no time. You go for it. You get it. Somehow you get that out of the fire. And this is the immediacy in which Jude is saying, look, there are people, there are brothers and sisters of yours and of mine who are in the fire and they're, they're, the false teachings have taken hold of their brains and they're just thinking, oh, they're, they're, they're in a bad spot and they need to be rescued. They need to be pulled out of that fire, and it needs to happen immediately. It doesn't need to happen next week. It doesn't need to happen tomorrow. It doesn't need to even happen uh, later tonight. It needs to happen immediately. We must reach in quickly to prevent further contamination, but we must also guide uh, or guard against personal injury. I ran across this story last year, and I saved it because I thought it was very interesting. This happened... uh, Back at the beginning of 2020. Actually, not the beginning, but the end of 2020. Uh, December 8th, in fact. Chris and Nicole Davidson of New Tazewell, Tennessee, were enjoying a nice, quiet evening at home with their three kids. They, they, they foster kids, and they'd fostered up to, oh my goodness, I think they said 34, you know, different kids over the years. Uh, but they foster Eli, and they adopted Aaron, and uh, who is 22 months old, and Elijah, who is two. Well, that night, the whole family went to bed. I mean, it's what you do. Praise the Lord. Uh, even if you're two, it's time to go to bed. Amen? Amen. Well, they went to bed, and, but the mother suddenly woke up and smelled smoke. In a panic, she and her husband grabbed Eli and Elijah, and they raced for the door. Now, uh, let's see. Eli is about seven. Uh, I think he's seven. And Elijah, remind you, is uh, two. Aaron, the baby, 22 months old. So they grab Eli, Elijah, race for the door. But by the time they got to the door where Aaron was, the 22-month-old, they could not get to her. The fire had blocked their path. The smoke and the fire was so thick that they couldn't get there, Dad explained. We went outside to get her from the window, but there was nothing for me to stand on to reach up there. So I picked up Eli, the 7-year-old. He went through a window, was able to grab the baby from the crib. We couldn't be more proud of Eli. Chris, the dad, added. He did something a grown man wouldn't do. The family lost all they had, but they're in awe of the bravery of the boy that they are fostering who is seven years old. This is what Eli said. I thought I couldn't do it, but then I said, I got her, Dad. I was scared, but I didn't want my sister to die. I was scared, but I didn't want my sister to die. You and I, we can't be scared going to a brother or a sister who is caught up in whatever they're caught up in. We cannot be scared or fearful. We have to care enough to go and to get them and to snatch them out of that. We should have a concern for our sisters and our brothers and the family of God in this world. Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross. Because he did not want us to have to die for our sins. America needs Christians with enough Christ-like character to brave the fires of sin and doubt. And snatch a brother or sister from the flames and keep them safe. I mean, are they brothers and sisters or not? Look, I'd do whatever I needed to do for my brother. I would do, I would do, I would do whatever I needed to do for my brother. Now, if he's in the wrong, 
I'll have to talk to him about something like that. But if he's in the right, he's done, and he's and he's maybe he's confused, maybe he's been given into some false teaching. Something's happening. I will be there and I will talk to him because I care. I care. Will you seek to snatch a brother or a sister in Christ or even one who is lost from being burned by sin? The last thing, a Christian, a Christian with character hates a flesh-spotted garment. Look at the last part of verse 23. It says, and, have, and on some have mercy with fear. Hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. There's some brothers and sisters in our nation, in our world, with whom we must be careful. We must be very careful. Some scholars feel that Jude speaks of the actual false teachers here. Uh, about these, about the, the actual false teachers. These who have just... These who are in that false teaching, teaching it. And if you're going to go for them, if you're going to have mercy on them and compassion on them and try to help them, you must be very careful. You must be very careful because what they're teaching is not godly teaching. What they're teaching is not the Bible. And you and I need to be very careful because they're very slick in teaching what they're teaching. And you hear it and you think, well, it sounds okay. Oh, well, yeah, that sounds all right. Oh, okay, okay. We had some people from a different, uh, it was not a, it was actually from a cult that came to our college one time, college campus. Now, they were not invited to come on campus and speak, but the couple of them came to a Bible study. And they sat and they were listening. And we talked and we had a Bible study and then we asked them. And they used some of the same words we use. But we knew because they were a part of a cult and they shared what, they, what, part of, what cult they were a part of. They didn't see themselves as a cult, but they saw themselves as a church. But they shared what, where they were from. And I thought, huh, the words they say sound like they're our words and they use them the way we use them. And I thought, well, huh, something's still not right because why, do they, why don't they call themselves Christians? Why don't they call themselves Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have a name like that. And I thought, well, now there, that to me says something <laughs> right away. If you're going to take yourself apart from Christianity and have another name and yet talk the talk, something's not right. Sure enough, I looked up how they use those words and found out, oh, yeah, they mean something totally different to them than they do to us. And so it's so easy to be pulled into false teaching. In fact, and I don't really want to down or, uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to down another religion, but I will say, I will speak out against uh, what I consider to be a cult. Mormons are very good at speaking a lot of language that sounds a lot like us. Now, I am not saying that Mormons are not believers. There are some who are believers. They trust in Christ alone. They have been... They're in the church, but they believe Jesus Christ alone. And just as there are in, any, in, a, in a lot of things out there, there are believers. There are believers. But on the whole, look at the teachings of the Mormon church. There's a lot of things that just don't match up. But there are some believers in that church still, even though. In fact, a lot of Mormons are former Baptists. Because the teaching sounds so similar and it sounds okay. 
So I just caution you to beware of where you're getting your teaching. Is it coming from the Word of God alone? Is it coming from God's Word? Jude says, look, be careful. The, if you're going to go after these teachers, uh, we must do so in a way with, with a healthy measure of fear. For they are polluted. They are polluted with the flesh. Jude is referring to human nature made by God and for God, by, but which has fallen grievously out of harmony with God and become an active agency of evil. They sound like people to avoid. Can we do that? Can we just say, oh, well, I'm just not going to worry about those people over there. Now, look, I believe everybody matters to God. I believe everybody matters to God. Even the false teachers matter to God. They need to be reached with the gospel of Christ. They need to be loved on by the people of Christ. And so, do we just avoid false teachers? Now, look, if you're not ready to say, hey, I feel confident enough in, the, in my knowledge of the word of God. I feel confident enough to... to Take one on and talk to them and try to help them. If you're good, if you're there, do it. But with a healthy measure of fear, Jude says, you've got to be careful. Please be careful, he says. If you've built yourself up in the faith, if you're praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, you can and will desire to have a mercy on others, even if they've fallen miles away from God. Not everyone is safe. To face these false teachers. Not everyone is. In fact these people are so corrupt. That there is a danger of them. Influencing Christians down the wrong path. And the idea seems to be. That they are so corrupt. That even their clothes are contaminated. Jude just wants to make it clear. He says look even their clothes. I mean you just got to be careful. You've got to be careful with these people. Got to be careful with these false teachers out there. You've got to be careful. Our dislike for sin should be so severe that we avoid anything associated with it. I think the point is made. I think these brothers and sisters are in need of God. But they're so involved in sin that they reek of it. America needs a cleansing to occur in the family of God. America needs Christians who are willing to take responsibility of restoring those who have fallen away from Christ. We need to take that up and love those who are lost to Christ. So what does America and the world need? What does it need? It needs Christians who cannot be bought, whose word is their bond, who put character above wealth, who are larger than their vocations, who do not hesitate to take chances, who will not lose their identity in a crowd, who will be honest in small things and in great things, who will not make compromise, compromise with wrong, whose ambitions are not confined to their own selfish desires, who will not say they do it because everyone else does it, who are true to their friends through good report and evil report, in, adverse, in, in adversity as well as in prosperity, who do not believe that shrewdness and cunning are the best qualities for winning success, who are not ashamed to stand for truth when it is unpopular, who can say no with emphasis, although the rest of the world says yes. God, make us like this. Make us like this, Father. We have compassion. We have compassion on those who are doubting. 
Will you have mercy on them? Will, will you seek to snatch a brother or sister in Christ who is, who, who is lost? Or, or even one who is lost from being burned by sin? Will you have mercy on those who have fallen way away from Christ? Will you have mercy on them? As Christians with character, that's who we should be. We take care of each other. We take care of each other, always aware that there are those who are lost that are watching. That are watching, wanting to know, do those Christians really care for each other? Would they care for me if I accepted Christ? They're wondering and they're watching and they need to see that in you and in me. What are we showing to the world? What are we showing them? Are we showing them Christian character? Or are we showing them a lot of Christians who are just getting on the bandwagon, whichever, whichever one's running by us? Oh, boy, this sounds good. Here we go. Are we following the Lord? What are we doing? Thank you for listening to the broadcast today, the broadcast podcast. I do want to ask that question again. What are you doing? What, what am I doing uh, to show people that I belong to God? Am I helping others? Am I helping other Christians? Who Am I embracing them? Am I loving them? Am I lifting them up? Or am I just sitting back from a distance and just criticizing them? I want you to know that America, other people in the world, in our world, see us. And they watch us as we treat each other wrongly. And I think... It seems to me Jesus said something about that. He, he said they will know us if we have love for one another. They will be watching us and they will see how we treat each other. Who wants to be a part of a family that is always fighting? Who wants to be a part of a church that is always fighting? People want Love. They want to be loved. They, they want to know that somebody cares. And as Christians, we are the ones who are to show people that God loves them and we care. So we must treat each other well as treating others well. We must share our love, the love that God placed in our hearts. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, remember, you matter to God and to us.